Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Rugged Identity Podcast. This is your host, Blake. Um, thanks for coming back today, as we do have Tanner back with us today to talk about um, like what we touched on a little bit last episode, which is some scouting tactics and kind of what we do and what we look for, whether you're someone who's been hunting for a long time or just kind of getting into it. I think these are some tips and some things that you guys could try that's going to help no matter which category that you're in. Um, and then also we're going to touch on something that's very near and dear to both of our hearts because we are followers of Jesus, but especially Tanner's. He shared his heart with me all week about how this is something that's super important to him. And he really wants to, what we're going to actually title this is change the narrative um, of the way people actually look at this certain group of people. And we're not going to go out and say exactly what it is right now. We'll get into that a little bit more, but um, Tanner, why don't you go ahead and let's just go ahead and hop right into this. Cause I know, like you said, we got a lot to talk about tonight and um, let's go ahead and talk about scouting a little bit. And can I give some guys some heads up and some tactics and tips and things that they can start doing because it's, it's August, it's August 7th. And for most people, I mean, if you're out West and you're hunting elk and stuff like that, then you're going to be getting fired up in less than a month. And then if you guys in Oklahoma, like us, you're going to be getting fired up here in about a month and, almost two months but a little bit under two months so if you haven't started scouting or checking or doing anything you probably should have should have done that yesterday (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh no just with me especially you know i I like to really i mean i really liked how you titled me a true hunter you know uh but hey i like i like to make people feel good that's (laughs) yeah, yeah well to me it's really hard in the summer times to do a lot of scouting as in like after that first week of October, man, their whole pattern just switches on a like just on a dime. Yeah. Um, but I would say the main things I do in the summertime, and I think anybody do this. Uh, said before, you just get out there and take off walking. You can learn a lot, but a lot of people don't know. Um, I always walk the creek in your place, especially if there's water in it. That's where you're gonna find deer tracks. You know, it's been pretty dry well really dry in oklahoma so you may not have any fresh tracks but if you do yeah so that's a great yeah. point yeah. yeah definitely boots on the ground like what you're saying um i agree with that a lot i've actually grown to be somebody who doesn't like i talked about last week you know i don't like choke hammers that much just because of all the work you got to put into those two kind of like feeders. I mean, trail cameras are awesome. They're a good thing, but especially during the summertime, I try to keep my in and out of where I'm going to be hunting that core area. I kind of try to keep it pretty minimal because I feel like it's as if every time you go in somewhere, you know, you leave a mark of something. So they're going to know whether you think it or not that they're in there, that you're in there, you know, checking around right now. It's, it's been like 110. You're going to be sweating everywhere and you're going to be leaving scent everywhere and some people don't believe in it but i'm really really particular about scent control and stuff like that right so basically man tanner but bo- i'm sorry both bo- both of us our dogs are going crazy right now <laughs> so sorry for anyone's listening if you hear some dogs barking tanner just got back with his new puppy and my dogs really aren't that much of puppies they're just idiots so it's <laughs> a whole other story yeah. well, go ahead tanner what were you saying no, he, he's going to holler a little bit. Y'all just can't have to put up with it like I am for the next week. So. <laughs> but basically what I would say, starting off, I like to find bedding areas. Um, and like Blake said, you don't want to just camp out in those bedding areas. But I watch a lot of the hunting public, and I've got to where I go, and I get right where they bed. You'll see there's 
and I like to see what they can see from their bed, um, see what they can see, maybe see why they're betting there. They might have a reason, maybe to their back, they know nothing can attack them, or they can smell, so they only bed there with a certain wind. They can look one way, smell what's behind them. Uh, yeah. so stuff like that. And then, of course, fresh tracks and, and drop-ins and stuff like that. I to look forward to. And food. So, so if you know where the bedding's at on your property and you know where the food's at, to me, it's kind of like as if you were a human hunting a human. I would set up right here in my hallway because in my kitchen i gotta walk from my bed to my kitchen okay if i in my kitchen while eating while i come in my stand you don't want to do that they will let the area they're at for a long day but they're gonna have to leave that and walk back through the hallway to the bedroom you don't want to get in their bedroom because they might be sleeping or they in there doing something when you walk in walk out those are really heavy lots of times yeah. in those areas so i want to get in the hallway in between the bedroom and the kitchen. Because that's where, I, and I promise you, you, everybody does this in their house. You have a big living room, one spot. And if there was dirt there, there would be a trail. And so that, that hallway is a pinch point. That's how I hunt, you know, and that's what I look for when I'm scouting. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, too, because especially new hunters, I know I was like this a lot whenever I first started out. You see a big field or something like that that you know they're going to be eating. I mean, you just want to camp out on the edge of that thing is what you're thinking. And granted, you know, sometimes that works out. Um, right. We're bow hunters. We rifle hunt some, but we're bow hunters primarily. So we're not doing that a whole lot. Um, but it makes more sense. Like as you mature as a hunter, you need to be getting on trails because like you said, you want to be getting as close as you can for a shot with a bow anyway. Right. Um, so why not set yourself up for success to where they're don't, they don't have a, you know, a, 20 acre field to run around in i mean you're just kind of rolling the dice hoping they come right in the same spot that you're sitting at and you want to get on a trail where they're they kind of have to go through that certain area because that's that's what they're doing every day anyway so you want to be where they're at when they're going to be there <clears throat> so that's a good point um and another thing too like you said about summer scouting you know they're they're going to change so much over the next you know month month and a half of what they're actually doing which it's it's good to locate deer don't get me wrong but um, summer scouting on the list of the most important times to scout probably is not the best, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Unless you have a lease or something and you're feeding, you're feeding protein and trying to get your deer bigger. And you, I mean, you're going to know where they're at anyway. But the main thing on that is just kind of locate what you're going to be looking for when season gets here, not necessarily what, you're, what they're going to be wanting right now, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I really um, – I used to get so – ready to hunt on October 1st, but I've got to where I do all my scouting probably after the second week of October, like right before muzzleloader, because that's when, to me, in my area, they flip a switch out of that summer feeding pattern into their winter pattern, and so I like to scout then, and I, my favorite time to scout, too, is like January, February, because in the summertime, yeah. they're just doing so much different so many different things and what they're going to do during that prime time late october all the way through november and december so really summer scouting is not something high on my list i, I will do it it's no. fun to see velvet bucks and get velvet pictures but you can burn yourself out on it real quick i like to wait and i've learned to be patient with it and it's it's paid out for me yeah i agree you know i've granted you know if you're hunting a brand new piece of property you've never stepped on 
it's not a bad idea to get out and look around so you at least have an idea to what you're doing whenever season does get here right but like me i was going to get out and scout yesterday a little bit but man it's just it's 103 degrees outside i'm gonna be sweating dropping sweat yeah. everywhere it's 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 probably going to do me more harm than good and like you're saying if you wait till season ends these deer are already going to feel like they're pressured i mean they're already going to be bumped around a little bit so you're not going to be it's not as big of a deal if you bump one up thinking oh crap they may not be coming back you know they're they're gonna they have four or five months to kind of figure it back out again and get back in their routine and stuff like that and then if you wait till season starts especially if you're hunting public land there's going to be a dummy that that's probably walked where you've walked unless you're hiking way, way back in there. So you're not going to do too much damage on that either. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, yep. I know that's really brief. Do you have anything else you want to share with that Tanner before we hop in? Cause I know we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, no, I think once we get in October, we start doing some podcasts. I can really, we can really talk about what we're seeing at the moment, you know, and maybe that'll be more relative to people. Right now, just get out there, maybe put some cameras up or set in an observation stand a long ways away. Other than that, for summer scouting, that's that's really all I have. Yeah. Um, if you're in an area like me, this is the last thing I'll say about this, is get in your pickup and drive somewhere up on a hill that you can see a long ways. This has always worked really well for me. And get some binos or a spotting scope and just be, I mean, right before dark, just start glassing fields and stuff like that, seeing where they're coming in and out and all those kinds of things. But the biggest thing about summer that I would recommend to those is do not wait till the last second to get your bow tuned and everything figured out. <laughs> um, I, I know Tanner had a little bit of a scare <laughs> trying to get his stuff out. I think you got it dialed in now, don't you? I do. I got a little more work to do, and I'm about to start messing with my arrows. But like I said, if you start early like I did, you've got plenty of time. If I started right before the season, I, I, I would have been, been stressed. Yeah, I, I'm a little stressed right now because I got to – <laughs> I thought it would be a good idea to get a new um, longbow right before season started, and it should be in the mail by the end of the week. And just knowing that I have not tinkered with arrow setups and broadheads and or anything like that, and honestly, just just shooting a new bow in general, it's a lot different than picking up a compound and flinging arrows. So, we'll <laughs> I'm hoping to have that thing ready by October one, but we'll see how that pans out. But my biggest thing is, you know, just get all that stuff figured out. Um, if you need to get some new test out some new gear, uh, get new packs, all that kind of stuff, get that stuff figured out in the summer. And that should be kind of your main focus. Um, and then the biggest thing, the last thing I'll say about this is your mental, um, thought process on hunting. I mean, you may have had a bad year last year. It's time to turn the page, time to jot down the mistakes you made. So you don't make the same mistake twice. Start reading some books, doing some, um, do some studying on different things that you can possibly do better this year and stuff like that and tanner doesn't know this but i kind of have some big plans for the next episode whether that be the middle of this week or next week i don't know how that's going to work out since my life's getting a little bit crazy now that school's about to start and all the kids for the archery team are going to be showing up so we're going to be hitting the ground running here pretty quick but just bear with us um the instagram page is up i literally just put that up a couple of minutes ago and that is rugged id underscore podcast and that's going to be where you guys can find all your updates about upcoming episodes and stuff like that. And uh, next week or the next episode, whichever, however that pans out here in a couple days or next week is going to be a, going to be an awesome one. That I think it's going to be pretty sweet and I'll have to fill you in on that later Tanner. But anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into what we're going to talk about, about uh, kind of changing the narrative on things. What, what, what's your heart on this Tanner? All right. So I want to help us all change the narrative on the idea of homeless people. So this, 
this last spring, I was privileged enough to go on a missions trip to Virginia to work with uh, a, a nonprofit organization called 3E Restoration. You get time, look them up. But what they do is they help um, people experiencing social displacement. Okay. Okay. Um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. But right now, I want everybody, even you, Blake, to think about this. When I ask you what you think of when you see a homeless person, what is that? What's the what's a word that comes to mind? For me, you, go what, what do you got? Uh, for me, I'll I'll go ahead. I have two answers for this because I'll give the answer. So my wife actually has a super big heart for homeless ministry, um, and my eyes have been really open to this um, here in the past couple of years since we started dating um, until now we're married. But beforehand, um, I had actually been burned a couple times. What I mean by that is, and there's probably a lot of people like this that think this way, those people are just having a handout. You know, they could easily go get a job and do all these different right. things. And you're going to, I know you're going to cover this later, and which we'll find out, you know, some of them and most of them can't. But I, I've handed people money and watched them literally take that money and go hop in the car and drive off. And you're every time after that, you see a homeless person and you're thinking they're just pieces of junk that are lazy and out here trying to take people's money, you know. Yep. But um, that's that's not the case at all. Um, I know you're going to cover that. So I don't want to talk too much about that. But now my idea of these people are just people that are that are broken. Um, that have gone through a lot, probably more than we ever have or ever will. But I'll let you go ahead and keep going, Tanner, on that. Yeah, hold that thought. That's going to come back. Um, there's two words you said there that were big to me. One was get a job, okay? I'm sure a lot of you out there probably just had that in your mind because that was me. Why don't they just get a job? you got to get what you want. you got to work for it, you know? And another one you said was yep. lazy. So... Get a, get a job, they're lazy, they're bums. I think even the word homeless people, that is a false narrative. term that I would say is not people, but neighbors experiencing social displacement. Okay? And so you think of homelessness, you think that is, you can, like the false narrative to me would be homeless people. We can change that to neighbors experiencing homelessness or neighbors experiencing social displacement because you can have a home and still be homeless. Does that make sense? Yes. I'll, can you, I'll, for those that don't, can you elaborate on that just a little bit? So I'm going to read a definition here for neighbors experiencing homeless homelessness. So this not only occurs when someone loses a dwelling place, but also when abandonment, despair, and feeling out of place come together in a loss of social and cultural identity. Homelessness is a state of being without any sense of place or effective means of orientation. Homelessness understood in this way is more than just houselessness. So homelessness is an all-consuming displacement and a deeply traumatic experience called social displacement. So if we can change our false narrative from homeless people to neighbors experiencing social displacement, that is a big jump because you, you realize these people are, they have, and I say these people, these neighbors, see, I'm still through these false neighbors, neighbors who have experienced abandonment, despair, 
feeling out of place. They can have a house. They could be living in a house right there in front of you and still be socially displaced. Um, and I, you may have never heard that, Blake. I had never heard that until this spring. And I got. This I have not. I have not. But I like that. That makes sense to me. It's from 3E Restoration. And the guy out there, amazing warrior in Christ. And he he is just an awesome person. Um, but the number one thing that causes um, a neighbor to fall into social displacement is trauma. And when you think of trauma, you think of like abuse, physical, sexual abuse, mental abuse, of course, abandonment. PTSD from from the abuse um, and things like that. And we go back to, you know, those those false narratives of get a job. Oh, man, it's the system is really broken when it comes to get a job. Yeah. Um, and you can you can talk more on this. Go ahead, Blake, with something you've got. If you have anything, I have a bunch more, but I'll let you kind of talk maybe on what you heard right there or anything that stood out to you. Um, so when you're talking about social displacement, um, I think that's going to ring in a lot of people's heads because when you think of homelessness, like I was saying, you kind of think of two things without a job and without a home. Right. And that's, that's, that's completely false. Um, I know, I know people that have, um, experienced PTSD and without, you know, sharing names or anything, I'm just going to, in case someone was listening to this, I'm just going to say Bob. Okay. Okay. So Bob, um, Bob experienced some, he experienced some abuse that came from inside of a household right. that he was able to live at, but I would say he was not welcomed there, if that okay. makes sense. Yes. He, he was able to live there, but because of the trauma he would experience in that household, he felt as if he was not able to be there. He was still, I mean, he could have continued going to school and doing those kinds of things, but he felt as if it was unsafe and he wasn't able to stay where he was. And so, which forced him in a way to have social displacement, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that we think a lot of these people, you know, hey, they're just dropouts because they don't want to do anything, like I said. But there's a lot more circumstances that go on to these, um, into these cases and into these people. You know, there's a story behind each person. I know this is kind of taking us down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but there's a story behind each one of these people. Um, actually one of the first churches, something, just a little bit of info on my time as speaking in front of people, my first church I ever got to speak at was considered, I know we're, we're trying not to use this word, but they say, I would, I'll just say a social displacement church, there you go. if that makes sense. Yeah. So they read that, that's was their main ministry. And I've got, gone there numerous times and we've done, um, outreaches where we'll go make meals and stuff like that. But just to hear these people's stories that's when my mind really started to shift because I was in positions to carry on conversations with these people and hear their heart and hear their story a little bit. The ones that would open up, you know, some don't want to, and that, that's fine. I can't say that I would either if I was in that position, but, um, lost my train of thought there. Go, you have anything you want to add, add well, to that Tanner? Yeah. Yeah. There's just like in the trauma. Oh, there's some things out there that I had no clue happened. I've been blessed in my life to have, a great family, great parents, and great Christian family around me. There are some stories that we heard, and it was just heartbreaking. And even heartbreaking in some of the the stories we heard about churches and how they treated people, it was just, it was heartbreaking. But I want to touch on the get a job thing. Um, 
we punched the numbers when we were at this trip. So what we got to do is we got to go through the experience. We got to ride the bus. Um, we got to, we went to human services and we did things like this to understand what these neighbors go through. And one of the things was so mind blowing to me was, and I was this way, I was under the get a job. You know, that was what I thought. But when you look at it, we punched the numbers and we did minimum wage. Say they work every day, five days a week, and they work every day, okay? Well, after all the expenses and we low-balled everything, they make $38 a month profit, okay? Jeez. Now, and that's crazy. With minimum wage working every day, at least every weekday, okay? Now... They take off one day because they want to go to human services to get some help, some financial help from our government. Well, they get to the bus station and the bus is late. And human services, they have just missed their appointment. Okay. They missed their appointment, so they have to schedule it again. But they just took off a day. And remember, if they work every day, they make $38 a month. So they just missed a day of work, which cost them money. On top of missing their human services appointment, on top of the trauma, the abuse, or the PTSD that they have in their lives. And it, that is the reason that it's, uh, it's so hard for these neighbors to, to, to get out of social displacement. Okay? Yeah. And it's so hard to think. I was that guy where I was just like, go get a job. Quit being lazy. But the system is broken. And Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely broken. And does that make sense? Like, like, it's def- yeah, that... I don't know. It's, it's really, really hard, hard to fathom in my mind when I first heard that, but it's so hard for for us to help, you know, for people to get out of that, neighbors to get out of that, because it's really broken, and and uh, we got to, to help as Christians, and we'll talk about that at the end, what we can do. Um, yeah. But I'm going to change directions a little bit here. So, like, I want to talk about what Christians and what I would normally do. Um, this is something that that I would have done and most Christians may do, and you can tell me if you've done this or not, Blake, and that's okay. It's not bad. But, okay. So, so like a lot, of, a lot of Christians, they want to go out and give people food, right? Well, yep. inside of that to-go box of food, there might be a card that shares the five steps of salvation or, you know, or, or this is who Jesus is or something like that, okay? And you do that for a couple weeks. You've given this person this same... You know, you've given them a talk or you've talked to them about Jesus and you've been giving them food. And after two weeks, they don't ask you any questions. They don't want to pursue Christ. You leave them and keep going. Yep. It's just like it's like we're shopping. And we move on. And isn't isn't that I mean, that's crazy. That's not that's not what we're called to do um, as Christians. We're not shopping around. Of course, we want to share the gospel we want to share the love of christ but you don't i don't know that's that's is that something you've ever done or i know that's something i've done like if they, if they don't decide to come to christ we would just i just want to move on and that's so i, I feel bad about that but that's really no that's really i kind of I, I've, I've fallen into that too because i mean i'm sure you've been raised the same way you know we we both you were raised in a smaller town than i was but everyone's got some quirky little sayings and everyone's probably heard the phrase, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that's one of those things, you know, you, I understand the idea of you cannot force, you know, Jesus into people's hearts. You know, that's kind of got to be their own 
personal decision, but giving giving up on the well being of somebody just because um, they haven't completely transformed their life after the first three or four times you talk to them about it. Like I'll just, I mean, if you're take me for instance, if I wasn't raised in a Christian home um, and I only had somebody talk to me about the Lord three or four times, which I know it only takes one time to get to somebody. I don't know if I would have accepted it. I mean, everything exactly. that I'm around and all the trauma, you know, that I may have gone through or the home that I was raised in. Cause if, if I wasn't raised in a Christian home, I don't know the things that I would have seen, you know, obviously things would be a little bit different. Um, I would assume. And so I, I don't know how many times I would have worked, but I would still hope that these Christians aren't these Christian people that would be trying to reach me would not just move on to the next person because I would not almost conform to exactly what they want in that moment. If that makes sense. They would be more. They would be more concerned with my well-being as a human being because they. I mean, in Scripture it says, you know, my sons and daughters. It's it's talking about everybody. Now, going towards like the, the end times and you dying and stuff like that's completely different. But while you're here on this earth, I mean, the Lord loves everybody no matter what, right. whether they've accepted Him or not. He still loves them. So, well, and like, I'm not going to read all these. I'm not going to read hardly any of them, but. I have, we got a, a PowerPoint from 3E, and there's a lot of verses on there. And this is something that you may think is crazy, but um, the words, the poor and needy, the widow, the immigrant or foreigner, and the orphan or fatherless are mentioned over 2,000 times in the Bible. And most of them are not telling you to spread the gospel to them, and if they don't accept it, leave it. Almost all of them are just telling and asking us, to help them. Yeah. And that's pretty crazy. But what you just said on, um, you know, God loves everybody. So this is something that helped me when I was thinking about changing the narrative. Um, so who they, as in our neighbors experiencing social displacement, are, they're people made in the image of God. So I'm going to read Genesis 1, 26 uh, through 27. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and fem female, he created them. So number one, we're over all the animals in the world and we're created in the image of God. Sometimes I feel like we look at our neighbors almost like, like they're not a person, like they're not made in the image of God. And so that's the first thing you got to realize. All of these people are made in the image of God. Now, we're not all God's children, right? Because once you're baptized and saved into Christ, once, once you've accepted Christ into your heart, then, right, you're a child of God. But... We're still all made in the image of God. We're not. They're not. And so that's something that I yep. think is big. Um, um, just because we can't look at them. And I say, mm, I hate that. I wish I wouldn't do that. We can't look at our neighbors as they're being less than us. They have God's love just as much as we do. Um, Absolutely. And so you can touch on that a little bit before we move on, if you'd like, or if you've got anything else, Blake. Uh, 
I think what I'm about to say, though, too, is probably going to be touching your next point. You're going to go over practical steps, correct? Or just some steps uh, of what we can do? Yeah, here in a little bit, yes. Okay. Um, I'll just go to say this, too. As Christians, you know, I think we can be very prideful, and I think that can be lead to most of what the things we've been talking about. Right. Um, it's just having pride saying, oh, well, you know, we got it all figured out. We got a decent car. We got a house. We got a job. We got all these different things. Those people just... They did. They didn't. They decided not to do that, and that's on them. Um, and then Proverbs chapter sixteen, verse eighteen says, "Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall." And that's just kind of one of those deals, you know, that we really need to focus on just a more of a heart adjustment, even to the point like what you've been saying, Tanner. You know, we don't need to be saying homeless people. We need to be saying social displacement. I think that's just that's just a pride thing. I think that's kind of the root of all of these all these things is pride and just an issue of the heart a little bit yeah they just wanted to go to a coffee shop and, and order coffee and like they fit in you know like they were a person and people would see them as a person instead of seeing them as homeless people you know um yeah can i can i add to that really quick tanner yeah yeah take off that one one of the conversations that i've had with people too at that church that i was speaking about in the city is that um when you ask them just hey, you know what do you what do you need? You know what can we do to help? I've heard them say before too. Um, they just want somebody to talk to. You know yep. they they don't want somebody just to throw them food out the window, or even throw them money out the window. Sometimes you know they just they want somebody to talk to. They want to feel like they're just as much, or if they're valued, you know the same as other people, just because of the situation that they're in. They shouldn't feel any less than. Yeah, yeah. I want to read. Um, it's, my, it's not too long, but I want to read what Jesus tells us um, to do for our neighbors experiencing social displacement. So in Matthew 25, and this is verse 31 through 46. So it's kind of long, but it's really good. What's really interesting to me, too, is this verse has been coming up a lot. I think the last couple times I've been to church, not this Sunday, but the last, I think the two times before that, I think... In a movie that I watched this weekend, this verse was brought up uh, in the movie, which was super cool. Good job, Hollywood, I guess. Um, <laughs> but this is it. So it's Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who cur you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me. I was a stranger. You did not let me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for, for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And that just uh, that's just gives me chills reading that, and especially over the topic that we're going over right now. I mean, you laid it out right there for us. Yep. If you needed needed one passage of scripture to pretty much cover this whole thing, you could just pull that up, and I think you could get the more you dug deeper into it. That's that's kind of all you need to hear right there. Yeah, yeah. That just fires me up. I don't know about you, but I just yeah. I don't know, really. <laughs> I mean. We, we need to we need to do better I feel like in my life you know when I read that I think oh, I, I really need to do better and and I've gotten better at that especially with the stuff we're going to talk about um, here pretty quick I think about what we can do I've been working on that and I have a long ways to go but it's a long process and it's taken me a while but I'm making you know greater steps towards that so. yeah and that's all that's all that we can ask is just making steps in the right direction um, as long as you're not staying stagnant then you're moving towards the right thing um so let's go ahead and let's dive into some of those practical steps if you're okay with that tanner um yeah, yeah. i'll go ahead and start with one um and this relates to my first story that we were talking about whenever i had the idea of socially displaced people beforehand compared to what i have now it's like when i told the story about somebody you know taking money and going and getting in their car and driving off you know at the end of the day, like if you feel prompted by the Lord to just bless somebody, it doesn't matter if you think that they are socially displaced or not. If they decide to go get in a car and drive off, you know, that's on them at that point. And that's that's not on you. You shouldn't you shouldn't be upset because you could still be blessing that person at the end of the day. You still don't know what that person's going through, number one. And number two is if it's something that you cannot control. All you can do is follow what the Lord, you feel like the Lord's tugging at your heart to do. So, I mean, if that's still going to bless somebody with 20 bucks, and that's yeah. still going to bless somebody with 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Trust God with the consequences. Yeah, exactly. So that that's not in our hands to control. And if yeah. that's the mindset, like the mindset that I had, if that's what you're having, then my, yeah. my, uh, my argument would be in the first place is, are you really doing it for the right reasons or are you doing it for your own feel good, if that makes sense? Yeah. So what what do you what do you got, Tanner? You got something you want to add to that, or? Yeah, you just brought something up in my mind. I'm actually searching for right now <laughs> in Proverbs, but um, so first thing I would say, um, what what we can do as Christians or as the church um, to do with walk with neighbors experiencing social displacement. Gracious hospitality is a word that comes to mind, or two words that come to mind. Um, gracious hospitality is. A very broad term, but I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, if that makes any sense at all. Um, yep. We just got to be there for each other. We got to invite people. We got to help people, and we have to, most importantly, love everyone. So we don't just want to try and convert our neighbors to being Christians, but it's because of who we are as Christians. We want to be there for the people, no matter who they are, even our enemies. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a really, really hard thing to do. And it, oh, yeah. 
it's it, it I even struggle with it sometimes like most people probably will but we're changing that narrative we're trying to change our mindset we're trying to be better Christians and do what has been asked of us 2,000 times in the Bible uh, so I think it's a big deal I don't know about you but 2,000 times like well, there's four gospels because it's so you know important and this mm-hmm. is 2,000 times I think it's very important as well yep um so the biggest thing is let's use the resources we have in our church. Or you can partner with another church. You might have the same goals or ideas. So yep. everyone has a skill set, right? Um, in your church, you may have somebody who works with money. It's who works with financial things. There you go. They can help people manage their money. Manage their money, right? And they would do it for free because they're Christians and they want to help their brothers and help their neighbors walk out of experiencing social displacement. Um, You may have someone who's a local business owner who can supply them with a job that may pay more than minimum wage. You may um, just be someone who, or maybe you have a bunch of rent houses and you can help them get, get on their feet, get started. Or maybe you have to use your church building as a way that they can go get a driver's license or an ID because they don't have an address to get their ID first. So they can use your church as an address to get an ID so then that they can get help from their human services. And of course, there's all the things, especially with you, Blake, college ministry. Man, maybe you have a spaghetti dinner every Wednesday or Thursday night, a huge spaghetti dinner, buy way more supplies than what you need to feed the kids after everybody gets done eating or before. Get some uh, to-go boxes, fill them up, drive around town, give them away. And don't put anything in there. Just tell them, hey, this is for you. Um, hope you like it. Maybe you can pray for them. Maybe if they, you want to ask them their name, get to know them. Keep doing this over and over again. Surely they're going to ask, why do you keep coming back, Blake? It's been two weeks and we haven't we haven't said, asked you anything about Jesus, but why are you coming back? There's your door. Just open. Yeah. You yeah. Know? There's so many things. Use the skill sets you have as a college ministry. In your, you may have some kids that um, are finance degrees. Anything in general, you can use those things. Like so many different things you can find. Or if you can't find that, I guarantee you, down the street, there's a brother in Christ who can. Absolutely, and I, I like how you said that too about you know using your skill sets because that's something that I think that we don't take into account sometimes. We we take ministry in general um, and evangelism as one specific thing, and we think, well, we can't do that. Well, if you're not, there's going to be times where there's things in life you may not be as gifted at, and that's okay. God gave you those gifts that you have right now for a reason, and right. you can go ahead and use those, and you can always find ways to, to use those. So maybe you can't do one thing as good as somebody else, but you have a buddy that can do something great, you know, use that buddy and then you use what you have. And that's all that you can ask. We're not asking you to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. It's just taking steps in the right direction of, you know, like I've said before in previous podcasts, everything's a domino effect. All it takes is one person to start a domino effect and then people just start toppling over afterwards. So just do something, do something small because something small can create something really big. And if, and if they never ask that question, it's still our job and we are, ask and commanded to do this love your neighbors even if they're your enemy even if they're not coming to christ help them be there for them because that's who we yep. are um 
so that verse I found it. I found it actually. Uh, and you were talking about giving to people, like give them twenty dollars and bless them with that or something. And this is mm-hmm. Proverbs nineteen verse seventeen, I think. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for what they have done. So I kind of think about that, like if that's Jesus standing there, you know, right? Because He said in that uh, passage in Matthew, "Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me." So if that's Jesus standing there on the street, and I look at my wallet, I've got a five dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, and a one. You give Jesus the one, you give him the twenty. But if that's not Jesus, that's a neighbor there. You give them the one, the five, or the twenty. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're supposed to give everything you have away, right? But, but just remember that whatever you give should be given to the Lord. That maybe at least them. And you don't have to just give cash. That's another thing I want to talk about. Gift cards. Gift cards are great, right? To eating places. Mm-hmm. Play gift card or something. And hey, they may take a $20 gift card and sell it for $19 for drug money. But again, trust God with consequences, you know? Yeah. But somebody's eating. Yep. That's, uh, that's exactly. Just control what you can control. I mean, the right. outcome of that situation is not, that's not on you. And also, um, make little care packages. That could be something cool you could do in your college ministry. Make yeah. little baggies that everybody carries around with them. So when you see somebody who is, you know, throwing a sign up on the stoplight, you give them a care package. It may have a $5 gift card to a coffee shop. So remember, they can go to, our neighbors can go to the coffee shop and, and make it feel normal or get them a coffee or something that they don't really have or an eating place. Um, deodorant soap maybe or for the women and i think this is huge i think uh personal hygiene things i know you all know what i'm talking about um especially for the women like how can they it may be hard for them to get that stuff out you know and and that's that's got to be terrible and miserable so you can throw oh, yeah. that stuff in there um can openers <laughs> they get a lot of cans that are not pull top if they have a can opener they can open that can that's a good point. I, I know numerous people too, and this is something super easy. I mean, how much is a case of water, Tanner? Like three bucks? Right. Yeah. You keep a case of water in the back seat of your car. I mean, every time you pull up to a stoplight and you see one of these socially displaced people that, you know, they have signs all the time that say they're hungry and they're thirsty. I mean, a, a bottle of water to be added all up is like 10 cents a piece. Just hand them a bottle of water. It's not really costing you anything, right. but it can be blessing that person, I mean, more than you know. Yeah. Yeah. And even member Blake, because I do the same thing. I'm going to catch you, hold you accountable, because I want you to hold me accountable. Social experience, social displacement, neighbor. Instead of maybe don't say people, because we're all people. Yeah. Maybe call them a neighbor, and, that, and, okay. I, and I, I'm not picking on anything. I promise, but that's something I remember. I kept messing up over and over, and the guy he would he would correct me, and I'm thankful for that <laughs> because because now it's got me trying to change. And I still struggle with it. I, I the the word homeless homeless people is throughout. I mean, especially. This is just shared all the time. The more we can do to change that narrative, the better. So, yeah, it's just, it's such a socially embedded thing of how we talk. I mean, there's so many topics too about things that we just need to change the way that we're saying it. Right. I mean, so many things, and this is just one of them. But yeah, just just start somewhere. And this is a this is a really bad issue that's going on. I mean, not just in America, but especially where we're where we're at in the city. You know, I've, we've seen a lot more and more of it and it's just it it's heartbreaking so this is definitely a topic that needs to be talked about 
more than just on this podcast, but, you know, enter the church realm a little bit more and enter everywhere else a little bit more too. It's just as Christians, you know, what we're called to do is just love on people and do everything that we can. Yeah. And, uh, I know, I just want everybody to really deeply think about it because we're probably talking to a lot of people who aren't from a big city. You may not see people walking on the street or, you know, putting aside money. Who have a home, but they are still experiencing. So, but they're still neighbors. In think I got myself there. They're still neighbors in your community who may have a home, but are not experiencing, or who are experiencing social displacement. So thank yeah, hey, that. you broke up just a minute there. So what you were saying is, if I heard you right, people that are um, maybe in a smaller town because. Um, that hunt community that we may be reaching, that there's still people that are um, socially displaced that may not be your generic idea of what you would think when you see that. Uh, right, right. Okay. What you think is, and I broke up, but I caught myself, like, I said people, and I said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I said, not people, neighbors. <laughs> neighbors, there you go. Um, people made in God's image. I guess you can say it then. But, um, yeah. In small communities where you don't see people having signs out, there's still neighbors experiencing social displacement. That's just the truth. In every town all over America, not just the big city where you get larger uh, communities. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good. That's a good point. I'm glad you touched on that because I think it would have went over some individuals' heads um, that may be listening to this if they wouldn't. Who wouldn't have made that comment just right there. Yeah. And if you have questions about this, I mean, I'm still learning. <laughs> I've got a long ways to go. And, and I'm up here um, in Northeast Oklahoma and I want to start that. And you don't have to just go to your church if you want. Just grab a, a brother or sister in Christ and start there. Um, yep. You got to start somewhere. Start there. Maybe it's just taking care packages out and getting to know people, learning their names and having conversations with them on a, on a routine basis every week that can grow into something beautiful you never know um, open your heart take that risk and get out there and and be a Christian. <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely well thanks for sharing uh, your heart on that tanner that's man that was really really good <laughs> right. i hope there i hope some people hear that and it makes y'all want to um just get out there and make a change and start somewhere in your community and um like we've said in numerous different ways, we all have skill sets and we all can use them guys. We just, uh, I think that's all that I have. Tanner, is that all that you have? Yeah, that's all I have. Blake, uh, if you don't mind, would you go ahead and, and just lead us in a prayer for yep. our neighbors and, and, uh, maybe we can just, uh, end on that. And then at the end, after you get done praying, I got, I got something I got to ask you about. And then after that, I'm good to go. Okay. Um, Lord, thank you so much for just allowing Tanner and I just to, um, no matter how many people it is that listen to this guy, whether it be a one or whether it be a thousand, we just thank you so much for letting us use our voices to um, glorify you and reach people, God, and just to exemplify um, the love that you have for us through the things that we love, like hunting in the outdoors and just being able to grow um, as a group of individuals as we all are um, a family at Rugged Identity. And we, we're pursuing you, God, and we just thank you so much for, um, being with us and just your presence being with us on this podcast and just 
please continue to bring these um, episodes to those who need to hear God and just continue to please open the hearts and minds of those who are listening to this. And I just pray that you use us all in a way um, and our, use our skill sets that you've gifted us so graciously to continue to move in our community and specifically help those like we've talked about who are going through hard times and who are socially displaced. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What, what was the uh, what was your Instagram again? It is rugged ID underscore podcast, and that's on Instagram. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I want to go check that out, and everybody else, and that could be a good way for people to ask questions. Maybe easier than emailing or something too. Absolutely, I know. <laughs> I know that I email a lot because of work, but that's kind of old school now. So right. <laughs> Instagram's Instagram's the thing. I've been on Instagram for a long time. I know you have, and that's how a lot of people are reaching out to each other. So just send us a DM with any questions you may have for me or Tanner, whether that be about scouting, like we talked about last week about both setups or Tanner and his saddle stuff and all he's got going on. As I know that can go super in depth, or even if it's about um, reaching those who are socially displaced um, guys, don't feel, don't, don't hesitate to talk to us. I mean, we'll, we'll get back to you as quick as we can. We'd love to interact with each and every one of y'all but just guys as we wrap up this week um next week may look a little bit different and maybe next episode may come out in a couple of days and it may come out in a week i don't know yet but be checking back to instagram um that is rugged id underscore podcast on instagram for updates but guys just remember to stay rugged and know who your identities are.